Good morning. How is everyone? Good. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're starting in verse 12, 1 Corinthians 15. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because he testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we get to celebrate on this day the resurrection of your son, Jesus, from the dead, from the grave. The grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. We thank you that it is in him that we have forgiveness of sins, that we have life, life everlasting. Lord, a bless this day. We all got different activities afterwards with family. Bless those times, Lord. Lord, we want to be witnesses for you wherever you're taking us today, so let us be salt and light. Thank you so much for what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. Lord, let us hear the word now. Let us receive it, and let us respond accordingly. We ask this with the authority you give us in Jesus. Amen. All right, how many of you uh, have ever had a surgery? Raise your hand. I want to see your hand. You've ever had a surgery. How many of you keep them up if you've had one of those surgeries where they actually have to like knock you out? You know, you have to go under. Okay, cool. So normally when you're having like a surgery like that, it's, it's pretty serious. Something is, is serious enough that there's probably going to be so much pain that they have to knock you out for that. And when you think about it, when you go to the doctor, like how do they set you up for that? You go to the doctor. Um, I had surgery on my shoulder a few years ago. And it was to the point like I could hardly raise it. I couldn't throw a baseball with my kids anymore. So I go there and I'm explaining to him the different issues. And so he's like, well, here's what we can do for you. And he starts to, to line it out. He's like, we're going to go in there and we're going to cut this and we're going to stitch this up. I'm like, that doesn't sound very good, right? And he keeps going and, and the, the recovery is going to be like a really long time, weeks and weeks. And you're going to have to go to physical therapy a few times a week. I mean, he's just, he starts to lay out this you know, process which really doesn't sound that great. But then he keeps going, right? And then he's like, but then, after all that, you're, you're not going to have pain in your arm anymore. When you go to bed at night, there's going to be not just one position that you can sleep in. You can sleep in any position that you want. When you want to go toss that ball with your kids in the backyard, you're going to be able to throw, and it's not going to feel like someone's like sticking a giant nail into your arm. I like that part, yeah. right? And so... The vast majority of us, when given that whole picture, what do we do? We go through with the surgery, right? Because we want, we want that end result. 
And so today, like when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, like the, the, the beginning part, you're like, oh, wow, that's okay. Yeah, that's kind of rough. Like, okay, I think I can, um, that's kind of tough. But then as, as God starts to and continues to unfold his plan, we see this beautiful picture. So I'm hoping to, to lay that out for you today. But in order to do that, we have to talk about, it's like the good, the bad, and the ugly. But the bad and the ugly comes before the good. All right? Um, so my, my first point is that there is a futility that we have without Christ. Look back in verses 17 through 19. It says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Listen, every believer has to acknowledge this. Like, if, if Christ has not been raised, then it says back in verse 14, like, our preaching is in vain. Like, hey, what am I even doing up here right now? I'm just uh, blowing smoke, blowing hot air. But we should wholeheartedly acknowledge this, embrace it, and not shy away from it. Like, why is that? Because we as believers, we want to stand on the truth. So we stand on it completely, wholeheartedly. We don't try to suppress the truth. We want to know the truth. We want to seek the truth. And we want to follow the truth. So as believers, if we champion truth with a capital T, then we should not shy away from it. There is nothing for us to fear. We want to be people that believe the truth, support the truth, and uphold the truth. As we find out, and as Paul continues to lay out uh, really a goth, the gospel here in a pretty full form, really starting all the way back in, in verse 1, and, and I'm going to hit some different verses as we go through it today, but all the way through the last verse in 58, I mean, he is laying out for us the gospel and what he is grounding the gospel in over and over and over and over and over is fact. He's grounding it in fact that this thing actually happened, there was witnesses to it, and then his point is like, his point is, is like okay, and if it didn't, then we all just need to stop now. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And here's the thing. How is the sin problem, when we talk about Christ and he takes away our sin, what do we do if we don't have a Christ? What do we do if we don't have a Savior who takes away our sin? Like, how do we, how do we grapple with that? What is done about sin? And, and people, through the ages... Have, have tried various ways to deal with their sin. I'd say, at least in America, works is the biggest way, right? They're going to earn their way to God. I have a friend in Illinois. Um, he's, he's, <clears throat> we text back and forth, and he does uh, manual labor outside, and, and he was asked to do some work on a, um, on a home where uh, abused mom and, and children stay. And so he was texting me, like, how, how much do you think you know, would you charge for this job? I'm thinking about, you know, doing it for free. And I'm like, man, that's a big job. That's like $800, $1,200 um, to do for free. You know, he's thinking, he's thinking about that. And then as we're texting back and forth, he says, you know, because I, I got to do something once I get before those pearly gates to try to get in. Works-based, right? And so, and, 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 and it was maybe a little tongue-in-cheek, um, but not... Not really. 
You know, so I responded and, and talked about Ephesians 2 a little bit and how it's by grace we're saved through faith. But works is a big thing. It doesn't matter if it's Protestant or Catholic. People have a works mentality. There's works mentality in, in every religion. Some people think penance. It's like, what is penance? I mean, really, the, the true definition is voluntary self-punishment inflicted to try to show that you've repented for doing something wrong. So they have a voluntary self-punishment of sorts, physically, a lot of times. Some people think money is the answer. Money is not the answer. If you give enough, that's not how it works. And then some people, I'd say a lot of people, they just simply ignore it. You know, they, I, every, every family kind of operates in different ways, but there's kind of like one of two paths, and, 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 and the one path with families is like if there's issues in the family, it just kind of like gets swept under the rug. It doesn't really get, get dealt with, right? Just like ignore it. Just hope it goes away. Well, that's how people approach, approach sin and dealing with their sin. Like, I'm just going to ignore it, act like there's no sin there. You know, like what, what sin problem? Here's the thing. Here's the thing with that approach. Every person knows in their heart of hearts some of the wicked and horrible things that they've done. And it is wicked and horrible. And they know there's going to be accounting for it someday before God. In Hebrews 9 it says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Think about the Israelites in the Old Testament. I mean, they didn't just kill animals because they thought that was like something fun to do. I mean, they just didn't sacrifice because they thought that was like an, an enjoyable pastime. No, what they were told by God is that sin requires death. Sin requires death. And our view of sin, many of us have a pretty low view of sin. We just think it's like this small little thing that's not a real big deal. Now, <clears throat> I was using my, my power washer the other day. Any of you all have like a power washer, one of them little homeowner units or whatever? And sometimes when people want to clean their driveway, they have what's called a surface cleaner. You attach it to your power washer and it, you know, it cleans the concrete, right? Mine, my surface cleaner that I have is a little bit bigger than a lot of people's. And so I was trying to use it the other day to clean some concrete. <clears throat> and as soon as I, I fired it up, I plugged it in, I got my power washer going, like that whole thing just starts like vibrating. It's just like vibrating, vibrating. I'm like, that's not good. That's a problem. And so I'm like troubleshooting different things, troubleshooting different things, trying to feel, figure out what's going on. Because underneath that little circle thing, like there's two nozzles that are spraying out high pressure. So I'm looking at it. I'm, is the bar damaged? Is the thing damaged? Is the power washer broken? <clears throat> All this time I'm trying to fix it. And guess what the issue was? I, I finally figured it out. This tiny little grain of sand had gotten stuck in one of the nozzles. Tiny little grain. Right? So it just, I just needed to like pull, pick it out. Pick, you know, just little, I got a little pick to get it out there. <clears throat> pick it out. Boom. Problem fixed. And here's the thing. I think sometimes what appears to be a small thing, this little tiny grain of sand... What appears to be a small thing, it's actually a really huge thing. 
and it's a big deal, and that small little issue affects everything. It affects the whole contraption. For us, it affects the entirety of who we are. So little, we think, yet so big. Think about the consequences of our sin. Ultimately, the Bible tells us it's death. But take a step back for a moment. Death once did not exist. It did not exist. It was not a part of God's original creation. That's not how he created the world. Imagine that, a world without death. No death. God creates this perfect world, sets the whole plan in motion over six days. He's creating it every day, right? It is good. It is good. It is good. Then he makes Adam and Eve. It is very good. This perfect world for his creation to partake in, to be a part of, to flourish in. And what happens? It says in Romans, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. So sin enters, and what comes with it? Death. And death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. So death was born. And what happened when sin entered? Like, it, it, it was ugly, wasn't it? And it didn't just affect Adam. It just didn't affect Eve. It affected all their progeny. And we see the clear effects of it like almost immediately. Genesis 3 is the fall. Genesis 4, they have their first two kids, Cain and Abel. And what happens? Cain kills Abel. Right away, like sin is gangrene, it spreads, it infects, it ruins the whole thing. Not only did it just affect humanity, it affected the entire creation. All of creation, Romans says, groans, and it's in travail because of why? Because of sin. It has been cursed. God put a curse on it back in Genesis 3. And what was the result of death and sin? It goes on and tells us in Romans 5, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. Let me just pause for a second and just let, explain that part. One trespass led to condemnation for all men. Adam's sin condemned us all. He was our representative. He messed it up for us. But listen, one act of righteousness, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, that's Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So we've got, we've got two different representatives. Jesus over here, he comes in, but first you got Adam. And he represents all mankind. And he messes it up for us, all of us. But then Jesus comes, and he does what Adam couldn't do and what Adam didn't do. And he's the perfect sacrifice. He lives the perfect life. And guess what? Everything we got from Adam... Then Jesus comes and says, hey, I have a great solution to that problem. I have a great answer to your sin. Let me show you. And then he dies on the cross. 
He takes your sin upon him. Does Adam do that? Eh. Nope. He lets you have your sin. But what does Jesus do? He takes your sin. So the result, it goes on. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So death is born, death is reigning, sin's reigning, it says, and, and death is reigning, like sin has this little crown on it. Yeah. It's personifying sin here, and it's got like a little crown, a little scepter, and it's, and it's reigning. It's reigning over us, y'all. Yeah. That's what sin does. And sin and death, they're like best friends. They never leave each other's side. They go hand in hand. And what are they doing? Raining down destruction. Raining down hurt. Raining down pain. Well, we find a few things if we keep reading. We find a few things more about death. Let's keep reading in 1 Corinthians 15. Picking it up in verse 21. For as by a man came death, that's Adam, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. That's Jesus. Verse 22, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. We want to belong to Christ, right? We do. Belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So death, it's born, it's raining down destruction, and it's a curse. Death is a curse. It's not a blessing, is it? No, death is not a blessing. It is a curse. And what does it say in verse 22? In Adam, all what? All die. That's just not a physical death. That's a spiritual death. That's a death apart from Christ. That's not a good thing. Adam and Eve in the garden, what was their punishment for their sin? Well, one, they're kicked out of the garden, right? They get kicked out. Two, the... The, the ground is cursed. The whole creation is cursed. So it's going to be a lot tougher to do their jobs. Both of them. Adam tilling the ground. The woman childbearing. But what was the punishment for their death? What, what did God originally tell them? On the day that you eat it, you shall surely die, right? He postpones that death graciously. But it's death. So death is a curse. But death is also a payment. In Romans 6 it says... The wages of a sin. The wages of sin is death. It's like, oh, you sinned, and oh, you sinned, and oh, you sinned? Like, oh, let me get out my billfold. Here's your payment. Your payment is death. That's not a good payment, y'all. But that's what you've earned, and that's what I've earned. What does our sin earn us? It earns us death. So death is a payment, and death is our enemy. That's what we read in that last verse we just read. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. I mean, we got all sorts of enemies. All sorts of enemies. We got 
physical enemies. We got spiritual enemies. We can be our own enemy, our own worst enemy, right? But we got the enemy, the flesh. We got the world out there. And then notice in the verse before it, uh, two verses before it, he says, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Time doesn't allow, but he's not talking about uh, physical rulers down here. He's talking about up there in the heavenlies. He's talking about Satan and his kingdom, Satan and his dominion. That rule, that authority, that power, Jesus wipes it out. Just like that. So death is our enemy. And death is not the way God intended it. I mean, there's death and destruction all around us. Every, as we sitting, as we are sitting right here, people are dying. People are dying. They're going to heaven or they're going to hell. There's death and destruction all around it. But here's the thing, friends. God did not create this fallen world. He created this world, but he didn't create it fallen. It was perfect in its originality. Death is not part of God's original creation. It was introduced by man. But here's the thing. Death ends up dying. Verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. But here's the thing. Like, death dies, but it didn't just die. It was, it was killed. And it, it wasn't just killed. It was defeated. And it wasn't just defeated. It was destroyed. And, and we think it, it, it might happen. We, we hope it might happen. But it is guaranteed that it will indeed happen. That's what the cross guarantees for us. That's what the empty tomb guarantees for us, that death is dead. So Jesus' death put death to death. All right, chew on that for a second. Jesus' death put death to death. Go a couple verses further in 1 Corinthians 15. Starting in verse 50, 1 Corinthians 15. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. So what is he talking about there? He's talking about the end times when Christ comes back. There's going to be a trumpet. What happens in it? I mean, he, he says it's going to happen just like that. The twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, the trumpet sounds, and all those that are dead right now in the grave will be raised. And then it says, and then we, basically those that are living currently, will also be changed. It goes on, verse 30, 53, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the contrast there, right? Death, where's your victory? Like, where's your little crown now, death? Where's your little scepter? You, you don't have victory. But who's got the victory? Actually, it says we have the victory because Jesus has the victory. You have to have Jesus if you want the victory. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ has victory over death. Are you thankful for what God did through Jesus? I mean, we're talking about, I mean, this is the gospel, the good news, that God sent His only Son for us to live the perfect life and to die a death on the cross. And when He's up there and He's hanging, guess what's happening? One, He's physically being crucified. Okay? We were talking about surgery earlier, right? <clears throat> no pain medication back there for that. They pretty much were like, hey, what's the most pain we can possibly cause someone and kill them in the end? Oh, crucifixion. So physical. But you also have the fact that Jesus bore our sins and God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. Why? Because God's wrath deserved to be poured out on us, deserved to be poured out on you. We deserved the wrath of God. Why? Be we're back to sin. Sin, death, destruction. We do it. We're guilty of it. The penalty is to receive the punishment from God. What is his punishment? His wrath being poured out upon us in its entirety. What does Jesus do? He covenants with the Father. He's not sent unwillingly. Come on, y'all. Read your Bibles. No, he covenants with the Father. They agree together that he will be the perfect sacrifice. So he goes willingly and willingly takes the punishment in our place. That's how much the Father loves you, and that's how much the Son loves you. They covenant together to redeem a people for their own. We're that people if we believe. Yeah, I was driving to church today, and um, <clears throat> there's this blue SUV. I was on the outer road of 364. It's, it's you know, one lane one way, one lane the other, and then there's a turn lane. And this blue SUV is, is going like really slow, and there's this red car behind it. And I guess, and, and as, as I was turning onto the outer road, like I could see this whole thing kind of, you know, progressing. And this red car, I'm like, man, he is riding that blue SUV's bumper like pretty hard. So I turn out, now I'm behind them, and then like the red car like tries to make this move into the turn lane to, to pass around them. But the blue SUV's like, oh no, you don't, and, <laughs> and goes over, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's gonna be like this accident because like he's coming over hard, and so then she has to swerve really into the oncoming traffic. Thankfully, there wasn't any. <clears throat> so then she ends up in front of him, and then she slams on her brakes. So then he like has to move away around her, then now, like, I'm coming up on her pretty quick, but she's just, like, dead stopped in the road. And, and, and the blue SUV, like, um, we're passing this gas station, tears into the gas station, and then the, SU, the, the red car follows. And I'm like, so then I follow. Because <laughs> I'm like, I, I want a front seat to what's about to go down here, you know? <laughs> like, give me some popcorn. 
Now, actually, I was like, I'm probably going to be called to be a witness to whatever happens here, okay? So, like, I got my cell phone out. I'm like, okay, come on. <clears throat> so the guy, like, pulls up right next to the door to the gas station, and he gets out of his, his blue SUV, and he, like, is standing there, and he is just staring down the dude in the red car. And I'm just like, I'm, like, nervous myself. You know, like, I'm not even a part of it. I'm just watching. And I'm like, oh, don't let her get out. Don't let him get out. <clears throat> and... He, finally, he just stops and he just walks into the gas into the gas station. And then I'm and I'm like, oh, just drive away, red car, just drive away. Nope, gets out, and it's a woman. And she 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 starts to walk into the store, and I I just have like this perfect view. And he, at at that time, he's like the the blue SUV guy's coming to the counter to buy whatever he's buying, and and the woman just like walks right by him, like nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened. And they get back in their vehicles and, and, and move along. Like, what is that about? <laughs> no, seriously. Like, I'm like, it's sometimes we can act like different people. Like, we got like this, as long as like we're hidden, we can act like however we want, right? And then we're, we're out and in, in, in exposed. Now, that dude made a wide, wise decision. He saw that it was a woman. He definitely like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Like, all right. <clears throat> but like, we think sometimes we can get away with things, you know, and like our vehicles are like the perfect hiding spot for whatever reason. You know, we can do all sorts of crazy things. But here's what I want to say, and really here's my, my, my application. Like, those people, but you see, I'm like, it's like 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, it's Easter. Like, we're going to do this on Easter? Like, how can you even be having a bad day? Like, you haven't even been to your in-laws yet. Come on. Like, <clears throat> but those people... Those people need Jesus, right? And so do we. Because we've acted the same way at times. And worse. But here's the thing. This world has nothing to offer those two people for the problems that they have. Except maybe anger management classes and maybe some breathing exercises. I mean, seriously. Right? And, you, and, you, and anyone who's, who's dealt with anger, no, you can't manage it. You can root it out, you can kick it out, you can knock it down, but you really can't manage anger. So this world has nothing to offer those two people. There's no hope for them. I mean, that's death. That's what the world has to offer. The world offers death. Death, death, death. And, and if you don't like that, they've got more death for you. That's what the world offers. Jesus defeated death so that we wouldn't have to taste the sting of death. And this Jesus is ever-present wherever we are and whoever we are. And some of you, some of you woke up today, you weren't sure you even wanted to be here. But you are. You know, and God has a word for you. There's a, there's a, a, true, a true story of there was this, this city in India, and, and the city was being overrun with cobras. So the, the, the city government came up with this great idea. Hey, we're going we're gonna to pay people uh, to bring us dead cobras, so then people will be you know, incentivized. Oh, they see a cobra, they're going to kill it, and then we'll give them some money. Well, guess what people ended up doing? They ended up raising cobras. Right? Hey, if you're going to give me money for that, I'll, I'll raise all sorts of cobras, right? 
<clears throat> so then the government stopped that program. Guess what happened? They released the cobras. <laughs> they ain't worth anything anymore. So the end result was the worst infestation of cobras than the city began with. And sometimes, you know, we try to come up with all different solutions. It's back to the sin problem. We try to come up with all different solutions to fix the problem. And we, we by ourselves, we in ourselves, we make it worse. We can't fix the problem. But there is one who can, and there is one who did. Jesus came to destroy death so that you could have life. And that life is in Jesus. He came down from heaven. The Son of God Himself came down and lived the perfect life. All right, some of you might think you're doing pretty good, but you ain't got nothing on Jesus, all right? He lived the perfect life. 30 plus years, lived the perfect life. And then guess what his, his payment was? Guess how he was treated? Betrayed by his friends and his enemies hung him up on a cross. But here's the thing. That was the plan all along. It wasn't plan B. No, plan A was Jesus on a rescue mission for us. So, you know, if you're drowning, you need someone to rescue you. Jesus is the rescuer. He rescues those who can't rescue themselves. And if we live long enough, we realize we can't rescue ourselves. We realize we have issues and problems. Jesus can handle anything you've got for him. Anything you bring to him, he can take care of it. He came to destroy death and to give us life. It's through him. So how does that work? It's back to that Ephesians 2 verse that I shared with my buddy up in Illinois. For by grace we have been saved through faith. And it goes on, and this, not of yourselves, not by works. Not by, I mean, it says it right there. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, not by works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by God's grace through faith. So God pours out his grace. That's what saves us. How does he get that grace to us? Through faith. That's the instrument, if you want kind of the technical language. All right? Think of it like this. If you're like really thirsty and, and someone pours you a glass of water, like how do you get that water up to your mouth? You know, your, your hand picks it up and you have that glass and you're drinking that water. It tastes really good, especially on a real hot day. What is nourishing you? What's nourishing you? The water, right? The water is God's grace. But, but how does that water get to you? It's the glass. The glass is faith, all right? So God's grace comes to us through faith. You want God's grace? Then you have to trust him. You have to trust him. That's the faith. You have to have faith in him. Faith gets so watered down, unfortunately, in, in many different aspects in our culture today. But the idea behind faith, when we talk about real faith, not like, oh, I hope something happens. No, like real faith is trust. You're trusting in Christ 
that what he did was enough for you. And it was enough. So I encourage you today to trust in Christ. Put your trust in him. You know, Jesus, this is really what you're saying in your heart, Jesus, what you did on that cross was enough for me. And you took all my sins, every single one of them, and there is some black, ugly, nasty ones there, and you took them all, and you paid the penalty for it. You took the punishment. And then what did you do? You gave me life. God's grace poured out upon me. Friends, it is the sweetest thing to experience the forgiveness of sins. Even if you just take it into just uh, a horizontal relationship, if you've ever had a relationship with someone else and it's just been broken, maybe for weeks or months or maybe even years, and then, and then it's restored, there's a sweetness to that, isn't there? It's a very sweet thing. How much more so when you are restored to the God of all creation, to the God who created you? A billion times sweeter. It is a sweet, sweet thing to experience that initially and then daily. So I, I, I encourage you to trust in Christ today. He alone has the salvation that we need. He alone can wipe away the penalty. What's the penalty? It is death, but it's not just a physical death. We're all going to have a physical death, but it's a spiritual death. Complete separation from God in that place that no one likes to talk about, or if they do, they're making jokes about it, hell. All right? That's the separation. An eternity in hell. Why? Like, why? Because someone has to pay the penalty for your sin. It's either going to be Christ or it's going to be you. Someone has to pay the penalty. So if Christ doesn't pay the penalty for your sin, you pay the penalty. How do you get it? The same way Christ got it. God's wrath poured out on you. If you sin and against the eternal God, guess how long your punishment's for? Eternally. Okay, the measure is, is, is in accord with the greatness of the sin and in the greatness to the who the sin is brought against. Like, if, <clears throat> if you, you know, just go up to someone after church and please don't do this, but, you know, you slap them in the face, right? Um, <clears throat> there's probably, I mean, there'll be some consequences, but um, it won't be, like, totally dire. And please don't slap me, okay? Um, even if you don't like this message. <laughs> um, but if you, if you go out and, and you find a police officer and you slap him in the face, like, you're probably going to jail, right? You've assaulted a police officer. Well, what, I mean, what's the difference? Well, the difference is in, in position or station, right? And if you did that, <clears throat> we won't get into politics at this moment, but if you did that to the President of the United States, it's going to be even more dire. How much more so when you slap God in the face repeatedly? day after day, with no repentance in your heart whatsoever. That's what our sin is doing, slapping God in the face. So the punishment has to fit the position. You sin against an eternal God, you pay an eternal price. But, but friends and, and, and brothers and sisters here, like the good news of the gospel, the good news is that Jesus came so that you could avert the wrath of God. Amen. Jesus came so that you could be made right with God again. 
You're, you're at enmity if you don't know God. You're at enmity with Him. You're at war with Him. You might not even know it, but the Bible says you're an enemy. But He comes and offers you terms of peace. He offers the terms of peace, and we have to accept it. What is that? Trust in Him. Seek after Him. Ask for forgiveness. Repent of your sins and, and turn away and come before Him. And He accepts every single person who does that. He's never turned a single person away who has come before him with a contrite heart and humbled themselves before him. You come before him today, he's not going to turn you away. He won't. He is a good and a gracious and a kind God with steadfast love to millions and billions of people. And he loves you, each one of you. He offers you an eternal life through his son Jesus. I encourage you today to accept it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that it is in your son. That was the plan all along for Jesus to come to redeem a people for his own. Lord, speak to people right now by your spirit and in the way that only the spirit can do. Prick their conscience, prick their heart. Let people today, Lord, in here, trust you for the first time and then act on that trust. Let them trust. Let the angels be rejoicing today because one sinner repents. You are a good and gracious God who saves and saves and saves. So please today, in this room, save some more. Lord, let people trust in you. Give them that saving faith to trust in you completely and entirely. Walk away from their sins. Turn away from it and walk towards you. It truly is a freeing thing and a beautiful thing to experience. Have the forgiveness of Almighty God given to us to be made right with Him. So today, Lord, make people right with you for your glory. Amen.